Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Good morning. For Every Day is Earth Day today, we have a guest from ISG Engineering. His name is Chuck Brandle. He is the National Agricultural Drainage Expert with that company, and he has a passion about lakes. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning. How's it going today? It's going great. Say, Chuck, I know you are involved with lake things because I am also on the Lake Washington Improvement Association's Water Quality Board. And so that's, I have a big interest in that as well. And I know you do too. And now you've been recently got a new title named National Agricultural Drainage Expert. What does that mean? Because I know it has something to do with lakes. Well, it has to do with anything related to runoff in the rural setting. So part of my new role is to expand our agricultural drainage business. But ISG's approach to that has always been that we apply some sort of water quality component, storage, wetlands, all sorts of practices to the agricultural drainage projects that we do when we can. But being on the lake, being a lake resident, and now since the last time we've talked, I'm the vice president of the lake board, I've got a lot of involvement and a lot of passion for lakes. So I look for ways to how can we do things better, do things different than what we did in the past, create better ways to treat our water at the same time, providing the farmers a, an adequate outlet and, and the benefit that they need to grow food for our area and for the world. Now, a lot of times on Facebook, we have the Lake Washington Improvement Association, and there will be people that will say, it's all the farmer's fault. And then there will be people say, it's all the, the people who live on the lake's fault. So how much do you attribute to which in terms of the wa- water quality that's being impacted? Or is it everyone plays a little part of that? Because I think that, that people like to point the blame. So how can we all work together? That's a great way to say it. We should all work together because we all contribute water to the lake. We all do different things. And there's things that everybody can do on the individual lot basis. You could not put fertilizer down on your lot. You can plant a buffer along the lake. You can deal with your runoff in certain ways. You can have a rain barrel, other things like that for treatment. Farmers can do the same thing. They need to provide some drainage to to farm in this area, but there's ways to treat that. You can put in a, a buffer along the edge of your fields. There's areas that are not very viable for farming. You can turn those into wetlands and those be, could become a filter. You can do bioreactors. We do a lot of large drainage projects with storage Maybe back to that bioreactor. Bioreactor is a way to treat for nitrogen. You use a wood chip bioreactor. There's also phosphorus bioreactors where you put in iron slag and you could treat for that. We tried to get one of those projects going along Lake Washington a couple of years ago, but we're still looking for some funding for that. So is that the usually the reason a lot of folks don't do this? Do they know it's probably a good idea, but it's too expensive that they don't feel the cost that they would get back would be worth it to them? Or what's usually the, I guess, the reasoning? Well, a lot of it is it's a different way to do things than we did in the past. Uh, we get set in our ways to do things a certain way. And in some cases, new ways can be more expensive. In some cases, they can be less expensive. On the agricultural drainage side, we've developed for large systems a way that if we put storage in the middle of an agricultural drainage watershed, we can downsize the outlet and provide better drainage because we use that storage as an offset 
for the drainage capacity. So what does that mean? Put it in the middle. I am trying to picture in the middle of a field somewhere. Or what are you what are it, you referring to? And is, is it if people don't want to do it because it takes up their land, or or what's the reasoning? Yeah, I it's the middle of the watershed. Oh, so you look at if you've got a two or three thousand acre watershed, maybe the first fifteen hundred acres you could treat very effectively. And then you can have a smaller outlet for the last 1,500 acres. But in all cases, the farmers can have a more than adequate outlet and adequate drainage capacity. But by providing some storage and treatment, we can capture sediment. We can slow down flows. We can protect from flooding. And doing it in the middle of the watershed on large watersheds, sometimes you can get too big and too expensive. So you can manage the costs and in some cases you find the right location and maybe it's in the middle of the watershed, maybe it's not in the middle of the watershed, but a lot of cases it is. In our flat landscapes here in southern Minnesota, you can usually find a, a pothole that was drained and utilize that and then compensate that landowner accordingly for the use of that land for storage instead of farming. On a small scale, I know that Lake Washington is doing some of these things regarding wetland projects, and you mentioned there's others taking places. Would you talk about some of these? What's been done? Have you noticed a difference? And, you know, is it feasible? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about a couple projects. I'll start with Lake Washington. So Lake Washington, we've done a lake management plan that's been in progress for a few years. And we looked at how can we clean up the lake, uh, essentially. So there were two phases of that. One was dealing with the water that drains into the lake. And the second phase is dealing with the water that's already in the lake. So we're currently through most of the first phase where we looked at how much reductions do we need to have to have an effect on the lake. And I believe our numbers were about 3,000 pounds a year of phosphorus coming into the lake. Through partnerships, which is a big item that we concentrate on at ISG and working with our partners, working with the Lake Association, ISG, LeSueur County, and the LeSueur County SWCD, there have been multiple projects that have been incorporated and a few more that are happening around Lake Washington. And those include primarily wetland enhancements, some creation of wetlands, some addition of CRP lands and then working with some of the producers to go to a no-till or a strip-till type process. A couple of those projects are in place. I believe we're over halfway to our goal already with projects that are happening. Uh, there's a new project that will be bid and constructed this year on the east side of Lake Washington. That project is in, unique in the fact that there was a new grant program through the state of Minnesota which focuses on storage. And their first year, they gave, I believe they awarded to three projects in the Minnesota River Valley, and Lake Washington got one of them. So now we're doing the implementation of that project. So what um, does that mean, storage? I'm picking to like a silo or something. I mean, it's, it's like a bathtub. Okay. So you put in a, a bathtub on the end of your tile drain system. So it's like a big... <laughs> Uh, is it actually physically just a hole or does it have some liner or something? There's no liner. It's restoring okay. like a shallow lake that used to be there. Okay. And in this case, there was a couple foot deep lake slash wetland that was in place prior to settlement. During settlement, a ditch was constructed 
That ditch drained that area and then it was turned into farmland. In this case, we're going to put in a structure that'll dam up the end of the ditch and turn it back into that shallow lake. And then the tile drainage and the farm areas around it will drain into that and that'll provide a filter prior to the water going into Lake Washington. Will some people lose their land? Is that part of the maybe resistance in some of these programs? That is some of the resistance. But in this case, the grant funds will pay the landowners an easement. So they'll still own the land, but it'll be in a permanent easement that will allow it to only be used for storage and treatment so that you cannot farm it anymore. And then essentially they get compensated like if they were selling the land. What about development? It seems like everybody wants to have a place on a lake. Like you said, it's great to have a place on a lake, and there's only so much land. What about developments and things coming in there? How do you deal with that? Because, you know, sometimes money talks. Yeah, and that's a a whole different scenario because on the development side of things, there are rules for treatment and storage. On the ag side, the, there are there's not necessarily a rule that says you have to treat your water. But on a residential or commercial development, there's rules that are governed by the state of Minnesota through the MPCA. Essentially, it's coming down nationally from the EPA. And there's requirements that if you develop a certain size of hard surfaces, you need a certain size of storage to offset that and very detailed on how that's designed and what goes into that. So uh, the development side, that is protected, but we need to make sure that that happens when when those things happen. Uh, Yeah, I was going to ask you if you feel like that that's enough. Are are they following the rules? So when we do see all these new develops and things, are are the rules being followed that we're hoping that that really is making things better? Yeah, at least the projects I work on there, they okay. are being followed. Yeah. <laughs> we hope um, so. But, but there's practices that you can incorporate during construction that can help with that. And there's, there's additional things you can do, encouraging all of the landowners to do some of those practices I talked about earlier, rain barrels or do a small rain garden in your front yard. That can provide a lot of additional treatment above and beyond what the development should do, which is just being good stewards of the land in that, in that respect. You had mentioned creating wetlands. And I, in today's paper, we're recording this on a Tuesday, in the Free Press, it, there's a headline that says, the report shows Minnesota gained 43,000 acres of wetlands. And that's essentially what you're saying that we need to do more of to try to create these filters around other water structures. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good practice. And we have We've been part of a number of those acres. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but we've been part of some of those projects. We have a project that essentially went online this year down south of Mankato uh, in Faribault County. We call it the Benz Wetland, but it was an area that was being farmed. It had county tile through it. We had identified it as the best location within this watershed to do some sort of practice. And a few years ago, after a meeting, the landowner that owned it came up to me and said, I think that's a good idea for this property. And we turned his farm into a hundred plus acre wetland. We've got some really good video on it now, now that it's functioning. And in place of some county tile that, that really couldn't be fixed, they were just too shallow, too, they weren't working anymore. And, and this was the best solution for it. Now that the owner of that property is selling wetland credits to make up for the loss of his farmland, but it's a really good practice and it's it, it's working very well. 
that's another thing we've talked about, you know, who's making the pollutions. I've, I hear folks say, well, it's the farmers draining their tiles. Their, their tiles are draining right into the lakes. That's the problem. Is that the problem? Do we know where that water's going? I mean, do, are there folks that have things set up that it goes right to our lakes or, or rivers? Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a tough question to ask or answer because there's a lot of different scenarios. I mean, are you, is it a law that you're not supposed to, or isn't there anything that prevents there, there, that? There's no law that prevents you from outletting your water. Oh, okay. So the, there's no there's no illegal activity going on. Okay. But there's a hundred years ago, fifty years ago, when we were developing farmland and looking at how should we make farmland more productive, the the solution was add tile and and directly outlet to wherever you can outlet it to. Okay. Now, when we look at new projects. We are looking at what are the best ways to to still have productive land, but add filters to it. It just makes sense that we should protect our outlets and protect our waters downstream. You know, looking at our lakes and rivers, there's there's ways that we can do it, and and there's a lot of practices out there. It just takes some time to implement those and to change how things are done. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that. We were looking at some statistics that over the last 10 years, there's been over a thousand different BMPs incorporated in Southern Minnesota that we've been a part of. BMPs. Best management practices. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Yep. Which can include many different things, including things we talked about, wetland storage. We have a, a program that we've got grant funding for that's called an alternative side inlet. So instead of just letting your water drain from your field into a ditch or into a stream, you can add in a tile with either a rock filter or some sort of screen on it that slows the water down temporarily, allows the sediment to drop out. That tile runs down to the bottom of the ditch or bottom of the stream. and You don't have water going over land that can erode that that stream bank or ditch bank. So it's going down a frontage road, essentially. Kind of, yes. Kind of, We're sort of. slowing it down. <laughs> yeah. And But at the same time, we design it so that the field doesn't flood to hurt crops, but we provide some temporary storage along the field. As a national agricultural drainage expert, do you think there needs to be some sort of legislation that we do look at? Maybe it's not a good idea to have drains go right into water sources like rivers or lakes. Is there something that that can be legislated. I know that won't be popular, obviously, with a lot, but what do you think? Well, I I don't think that's the solution, is to legislate how we do our outlets. I think if we can work on finding solutions and funding solutions, right now in Minnesota, there's a public drainage systems. And to do any work on a public drainage system, there's a cost-benefit ratio. Mm-hmm. The way the law is set up right now, there's no benefit for water quality, There's no benefit for improving anything downstream. So if we could add something that provides a benefit for that. Such as uh, what would be, I don't even know what would be considered a benefit. Well, a benefit would be that we provide storage and less flooding downstream. We clean up water at the outlet of a system that makes the water downstream better so we can fish or swim in something in in a stream or a lake. So I think, if and and I'm actually on record saying this at the Minnesota Water Resources Conference, somebody asked me that question, what would you change? Yeah. I said, I would give benefit for water quality so we can use it when we're factoring in how do we design these projects. And I'm, I'm talking financial benefit. Mm-hmm. What is the financial benefit 
it does come down to who pays for that. And in my opinion, that should maybe be shared between the user of it and the receiver of that, which the receiver of it is all of us in the state. Since you have such a passion for area lakes and waterways and things like that, how do you feel Minnesota rates? I mean, I know there's reports that say our waters are significantly impaired. I think that's the word. So what are your thoughts in terms of have we made any difference or is it going to be a while before we see any difference with the things you are hoping to implement or have implemented? I think we're making a difference and I I think we're ahead of our some of our neighbors. Okay. I see Iowa starting to catch up. They're starting to put more money into wetland type projects and and treatment projects. There's a new program in Iowa called a batch and build, which is taking a whole bunch of practices and batching it into one project instead of 10 landowners doing 10 separate projects, it's doing one project. You end up with the same projects, but but there's a efficiencies in batching things together. So that's a new program going on in Iowa. Back to Minnesota, at ISG, we've been working on changing how we do the agricultural drainage systems for 25 years now. So I think we've made uh, definitely some improvement, but there's still a lot to be done. There's still a lot of systems that are failing. There's still a lot of tiling going on. But each one of those projects is an opportunity. We got to figure out how to take advantage of those opportunities, and then we'll really make a difference. Do you feel Minnesota as a whole is maybe ahead of a lot of others throughout the nation in terms of how we're trying to deal with our issues related to water quality? I think we are. I think just the land of 10,000 lakes helps us in that regard, that the people that are users of the water are also users of the lakes and the streams. And I think that helps us a lot. And that does push us ahead of some other areas that I've been to and, and talked to. I was recently in Indiana and I showed some of the projects that we were doing with wetlands and storage. And they were somewhat amazed of, that's a great concept. Okay. And so I'm hoping that we can spread that out beyond Minnesota and, and maybe have a bigger impact throughout the whole Mississippi River Basin. What uh, surprised them that we're doing that they might not have thought about or just aren't even doing? I think some of it is the scale. Looking at how do we bring 30 landowners together to try to work to, to find the best solution um, versus just trying to work on that as an individual farm basis. That was a big surprise, I think, to a lot. And I'm currently working on a few potential projects in other states where we are trying to develop some community storage areas and then looking at how can we manage that water. Maybe we can irrigate out of a storage pond that we create and offset some of the variations in climate that we've had with heavy rains at times and then long periods of dry weather. So that's called drainage water recycling. And both in Iowa and Ohio, we're working on some potential uh, inroads to develop that more. And I've also been talking with some of the people at the state level here in Minnesota that that'd be a good practice that we could do. So we, we, might don't, need to, we don't currently do that then? There isn't much of that going on around here. But to get it started, we, we probably need some funding to get it started and to show that it works. And then after that, I think landowners would be more receptive to, that's a great idea. So I think that's something that I'm working on and I hope maybe catches a little fire here and that, that would be a, a, a win-win because we could provide storage, we could provide treatment, 
offset some of the peak flows. Essentially, we're reusing the water and keeping it where where it's at. Sure. And then the landowners could get a benefit by a little better crop during some dry periods. Which we've had. Uh, Which we've had, <laughs> yes. Yep. Well, do you think that being that there's been so many dry years that people are going to start to try to farm some of those dry areas that are no longer waterlogged, do you think that could be an issue? Um, well, if they're in a permanent easement, they can't. Okay. But we're farming most of the land that isn't in an easement now already. So, you know, it's it's a balance with water. You know, if you look at southern Minnesota, our, our biggest crop is corn. You, you need 26 inches of rain a year to grow corn. So if you have less than that, you're going to suffer. If you have more than that, you're, you're going to suffer. So we got to figure out how can we manage that when we have variations in our average rainfall. You mentioned we're doing some interesting and innovative projects. Do you think that's because of groups like a lake association or counties or who is making it happen that maybe why it's happening here and not elsewhere? Is it because you have more of that grassroots type stuff or is it state driven or who's driving that? I, I think it's def- there's definitely some state driving behind it. I mean, we see um, working with the DNR, we, we see um, pressures to do more than what we're doing. And, and we often meet with them to discuss how are you going to protect this outlet? How are you going to make sure we don't have erosion downstream? And we have to balance the what it costs, what we can do, what we should do, and uh, sometimes we don't all agree because we can't, we don't have the dollars to make the solution that we need to, or we can't find a landowner that's willing to do something. I know ISG is is really looking to create more information to get out about this and what needs to be done. Some things you are doing, in fact, coming up in it's not till April, but you're planning a conference essentially called Future of Southern Minnesota Lakes, April twelfth and thirteenth. That it sounds like it's really going to be something for, is it just for Minnesotans? Is it for anybody who wants to come? Talk a little bit about this event and how people listening today, why should they care and maybe why should they go? Well, I'll start out with a little bit of history. So about 15 years ago, we started a conference called the Future of Minnesota Ag Drainage and Water Quality. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a success. We got, from my perspective, we got a lot of different folks in the room and talked about a lot of different issues related to water and egg drainage. And we got a lot of projects implemented. And we came up with the idea, let's talk about lakes because lakes are important to Minnesotans. And we have Northern Minnesota lakes and we have Southern Minnesota lakes. And they are different just with the geology and how things are, how land management around them is treated. So our conference called the Future of Southern Minnesota Lakes focuses on primarily Southern Minnesota. Anybody's invited. Usually the people that show up are either agency people, um, local government folks that that deal with lakes. And a lot of it is landowners that live along lakes, both homeowners and farmers. Last year, it was very well attended and we had many topics that had so much interest. Everybody said, you need to do this again. So this year, we have two days. The first day, April 12th, is just 5 to 7. We actually have Ron Shira from Minnesota Bound mm-hmm. coming, and we're going to do a fireside chat where anybody who's in attendance can come up and tell their lake story and chat with Ron. So okay. I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be exciting. Now, where is this at? We this didn't... is at the Mayo Clinic Health Center, downtown, downtown Mankato. Civic Center, okay. Yep. 
up. So April 12th, 5 to 7, Ron Chair from Minnesota Bound will be there. And then April 13th from 9 to 4, same location, Mayo Civic Center. We're going to have multiple topics and just kind of going through a little bit of the list of the topics, understanding your lake, what does a healthy lake look like? How do we manage a lake? What are lake management plans? And how do we, if we have an issue with a lake, how do we fix that? Session on aquatic evasive species management. Managing your shoreline. Score your shore, I think is what it's called. Okay. And then water testing and data to evaluate if you if you are looking at your lake, what you'd be looking for, what you should what you'd be testing for, and, and how does that affect what you can do on the lake. We've got speakers from the University of Minnesota, LeSueur County, ISG, the DNR, other soil and water conservation districts, the MPCA. I'm excited for it. Julie Blackburn in our office is in charge of that, being our water business unit leader. And I'm looking forward to hopefully we grow and have more people than we did last year. Well, I think the fact that you changed it from being agricultural drainage conference to the future of Southern Minnesota lakes is probably feels more open to all people, even though a lot of it may be related to agricultural drainage. It all, like you said, it all ties together. Well, and and it's a different conference. We're focusing on lakes with this conference. Okay, so it is different. It's different. We still do an agricultural drainage conference. We've switched it from being an in-person sit at, your desk and listen to we do what we call the spring tour and last year we did lake washington was the focus of our spring tour we had a hundred people in two buses we went around to i believe it was 10 different sites that dealt with both agricultural drainage and water quality and it was it it turned out very well we partnered with the lasur county swcd and they were great stewards showing us a lot of good things that they were doing. And then ISG was able to show some of the projects we were doing in that watershed also. So for those who don't know, SWCD is the Soil Water Conservation District. It's not sure. com- I know it's common for, yes. for you because that's something you deal with every day. But I know that not everybody maybe has that in their vocabulary yeah. necessarily. So how does one sign up for it? And should it just be people who are living along a lake or have a business along a lake or farm along a lake or... Would it be possible that maybe anybody might have an interest in this? Any Anybody that has an interest in water or lakes, show up. If you don't live on a lake, but you fish on a lake or you water ski on a lake, show up. Show up and you'll, you're going to learn something about how lakes function, what we should be looking for, and how, and how we're going to make our lakes better. You know, especially I, I hear a lot of times because I'm on the committees and stuff, people yeah. complaining about the water quality. It's the worst they've ever seen. And the complain, complain. I say, well, if you're complaining about it, maybe come and learn how you can make a difference. And this sounds like something instead of complaining, maybe come and say, what can I do? So it's April 12th and the 13th, downtown Civic Center, the future of Southern Minnesota Lakes. How can one register? And is it open to register yet? I don't believe the registration is open yet. It'll be available through ISG's website. Very shortly, we're just kind of finalizing the agenda. Uh, I've got speakers lined up, so um, look for that here within the next week or two. That, that'll be available and ready to roll. Chuck, there's so much more we could talk about related to water quality, but we unfortunately are out of time, so I hope we can have you back another time. We are talking with Chuck Brandle. He is a national agricultural drainage expert with ISG Engineering here in Mankato. 
And I appreciate your time. Anything else you'd like to add for people uh, if they want to find more information about what you guys do? Oh, thank you for having me. Check out our website. Just ISG? ISG ISG.com. Okay. And give me a shout. Look me up. (laughs) I love to talk about water. And so I appreciate this time and I enjoy talking about water with you, Karen. So thank you. Thank you. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.